Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Bobby Chow. We have been talking about the church mission. Now we learned that in City Harvest, we exist to fulfill four things. Now what are the four things? Shall we all recite together? Number one, to encounter God. Number two, cultivate purpose. Number three, experience family. Number four, make a difference. Now, that's the mission. That's the, that is where we are going. Now, today, I want to continue with the book of Numbers, and I want to talk to you about one way we can make a difference. Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you can make a difference. But let me give a quick recap. Now, previously, in Numbers chapter 15, we saw how, because of unbelief, and disobedience, Israel's relationship with God was broken. But God did not give up on them. Why? Because just like how 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, God remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. So you find that God, he, out of His nature, He is faithful. Out of His nature, He will always stay faithful. So in judgment, God always remembers mercy. We saw how God revealed Himself as the Lord who is long-suffering, abandoned in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. We saw how God's enduring purpose is to dwell together and fellowship with His people. So what He wants is a relationship. God wants you. And that is what our first mission is about, to encounter God. Shall we all say together, encounter God? So I want to take this opportunity to encourage you that if you have not yet signed up for SOT, I really want to encourage you to come for SOT 2019. Amen. You see, SOT is not just a school of theology, it is a school of transformation. In fact, it is a place where we want to encounter God together every day. Build a lifelong relationship with the living God. Now, it is just seven months from March to September, but I believe that the seven months will establish a solid relationship with the living God. So if you have not been to SOT, registration has started, it's closing in January, please visit our website and quickly sign up. So turn to someone beside you and tell the person you must sign up for SOT, alright? Now, this morning, I want to continue with Numbers chapter 16. Numbers 16. Now remember, the Hebrew title for the book of Numbers is the word called Bar Midbar, which means in the wilderness. It recorded the journey of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now, the journey was not easy. It was filled with challenges and difficulties. We have seen how the children of Israel kept complaining and blaming God. They blamed Moses and Aaron for all the problems, difficulties, failures, and even deaths of the people. Now, as we come to Numbers chapter 16, their complaints and their grumblings had now escalated into a series of uprising against Moses and Aaron. In fact, this chapter recorded two rebellions. The first rebellion was led by Korah, Datham, Abiram, and 250 other lay leaders of the community. Let me read to you from verse 1, number 16, verse 1. It says, Now Korah, the son of Ezah, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Datham and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. How many people? 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Now, these people were Levites who served alongside Moses and Aaron at the tabernacle. 
They were prominent leaders who should have shared the burdens of the people together with Moses. But now, they rebel against Moses, turn against him, and start complaining and accusing Moses. But then there is a second rebellion. Now, the second rebellion involved the entire congregation. Look at verse 41. It says, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Can you see that? Friends, you know what? Grumbling and complaining are extremely contagious. It can affect the more mature leaders and even infect the entire congregation. It can infect the people with an ungrateful and bitter attitude. And you know what? Their rebellion and complaints came before the Lord, provoked God's wrath, and brought about terrible consequences. Look at verse 31. It says, Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men of Korah with all their goods. Verse 35, And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Verse 44, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Notice, Complaints, grumbling, provoke God's wrath and as a result brought about terrible consequences and you wouldn't want to be in those situations. Turn to your neighbour, tell your neighbour, not me. Yeah. But you know what? Today, I want us to take a moment and consider Moses and Aaron's position. You see, the question I want to ask you is who should have the right to get frustrated and angry? Who had more opportunities to grumble and complain? Was it the congregation or could it be Moses and Aaron? Is it considered this the people of Israel? They were always troublesome, unstable, fickle-minded. One moment, they endorsed their support for Moses and Aaron as their leaders to lead them. But then suddenly, they turned around. The next moment, they rebelled and wanted them to be removed. When the people demanded meat in the wilderness, they say, oh, Moses, every day we eat manna. We are sick and tired of burger without meat. Give us some meat. You know what? Moses would plead with the Lord to grant them their desire. But after eating, the people were ungrateful. They would blame Moses for all the negatives, the difficulties in the wilderness, and nobody remember all the labor of love that Moses and Aaron had put in. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how Moses and Aaron must have felt? Disappointed, frustrated. They did not sign up for this but yet they are, they are being betrayed again and again by their fellow men. But you know what? When you observe the story, when you see and read the story carefully, you find that Moses and Aaron did not become bitter or indifference towards the people. Their attitude was different. They would not celebrate when judgment came upon the congregation. You see, if if, if we were Moses, some of us would, would have said when the judgment comes, say, ah, they deserve it. Ha, 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 ha. They deserve the judgment. They deserve the terrible consequences. Who asked you to complain? Complain some more, lah. But when you read the Bible, you find that Aaron and Moses never complained. Instead, look at their response when all these consequences came. You see, when Korah, Datum, and Abiram, and the 250 leaders rebelled, look at Moses' immediate response in Numbers 16 and verse 4. 
It says, when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. You know what? Moses immediately fell on his face before the Lord in prayer and intercession. And again, when the Lord sent the death plague among the Israelites, look at Moses and Aaron's response in verse 45. It says, and they fell on their faces. Everybody say with me, they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer, put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Notice immediately, they offered incense before the Lord to make atonement and intercede for the people instead of complaining, instead of celebrating and saying, ah, you deserve it. Instead of celebrating, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, interceding and praying for the people. Friends, isn't this exactly how Jesus had instructed us to respond? In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus said, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Everybody shout, pray. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, pray. pray. Pray for those who mistreat you. Because prayer makes a difference. Friends, prayer makes a difference. It is not only, it not only stops the ungrateful and complaining attitude from eating you up, Prayer literally stops death and brings life. I want you to see. Let's go back to number 16. Look at verse 47. It says, Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the leaving, the dead and the leaving. So the plague was stopped. Everybody say incense. Notice, when Aaron took the incense, make atonement for the people, the plague stopped. The incense in Aaron's hand was the differentiating line between the dead and the leaving. The incense that came up before the Lord stopped the plague, stopped the curse, stopped the death because prayer makes a difference. What is this incense? You see, Revelation 5 and verse 8. It says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, a golden, golden bowls full of Incense. Everybody say one more time, incense. What are the incense? Which are the prayers of the saints. Look at chapter 8, Revelation, verse 4 again. It says, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels' hands. Friends, the incense are the prayers of the saints. And your incense, the incense in your hand that rises up before the Lord is powerful. It stops plagues. Prayer makes a difference. In fact, S.D. Gordon said this, prayer is the greatest outlet of power. You see, in life, there is only one inlet of power, and that is the Holy Spirit. He is the inlet, His power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Inlet, coming upon you, power. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit is power. And whosoever opens His door and invites the Holy Spirit. He eagerly comes in 
enters. But yet, with many of us, well, he is in, he is not in control. He is in as a guest and not as a host. But church, this morning, I want you to know that if you learn to yield to Him, if you can learn to cultivate friendship with Him, give Him full control, that results in power because the Holy Spirit is power. So there is one inlet of power. But you know what? There are four outlets of power. There are four avenues through which the Holy Spirit shows Himself and reveals His power. Now, what are these four outlets of power? Number one, our lives. Our lives. You see, after Jesus was crucified, the disciples were in fear and hiding. But when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in, something changed. Take for example, Peter started boldly preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it was recorded. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Can you see that? When the people saw their lifestyle, through the Holy Spirit's power, they were able to live out and demonstrate the life of Christ. So much so that their way of life, their behavior, the way they talk was just like Jesus and the people can recognize it. And friends, there is power because the truth is this, our lives are more powerful than our serving. Your life testimony, testimony is more powerful than what you can do because you are the living epistles. Number two, the second outlet is our lips. Our lips. You see, a person may stammer and falter in his speech. He may even stutter and blush and get his grammar all tangled up. But yet, when you listen to him, your heart is moved. Your heart burns with fire. Why? Because the words that he spoke carry the power of the Holy Spirit. But yet, sometimes you may hear another man talk with smooth speech, but it lacks the touch of God. Now, why is that so? Why is there a difference? Because just like Apostle Paul said, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, he said, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The second outlet of the Holy Spirit is through your lips. May your lips, the words that you speak, carry the power of the Holy Spirit. The third outlet of power in our life is our services to people. Our services to people. You see, we are all called to serve people just as our Master Jesus Christ. Matthew 20 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. But how did Jesus serve? You see, His ministry was, it was, was evidence or were, were demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit. His ministry was an outlet of that Spirit and power. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it was recorded how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So City Harvest, my challenge to you is this. How about your ministry? How about your life? 
How about your speech? Do they demonstrate faith and power of the Holy Spirit? Or are all your ministry just about faith and powder? May City Harvest be an outlet of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So number one, the first outlet is our lives. Number two, the second outlet is our lips. Number three, the third outlet is our services. But then there's a fourth one. The fourth outlet is our prayer. Our prayer. And you know what, church? Of these four outlets of power, the greatest is our prayer. Oh, why do we say that? Because Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, he said, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Everybody shout everything. everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. Everything means everything. You know what, church? We can do nothing of real power until we have done the prayer thing. In everything means in our lives, in our lips, our speaking, in our services, your ministry, your work. We can do nothing of real power until we pray. Because prayer is not the only thing that we do, but it must be the first thing that we do. It must be the first. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it must be the first. Just like what the great reformer, Martin Luther, he said this, that he prayed regularly for an hour every day, except when he experienced a particularly busy day. Then he prayed two hours. Because prayer must be the first. You can do nothing of real power until you pray. You see, our lives are empowered through prayer. You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus taught the disciples to pray because temptations are coming. And this morning, let me tell you, church, in this world, there will be tribulation. We are like in the Garden of Gethsemane. I do not need to be a prophet, but this morning I can tell you, temptations are coming. So if temptations are coming, what should I do? Well, you ask the right question. Look at Luke 22 and verse 40. And he came to the place, he said to them, pray. Everybody shout, pray. pray. He said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. See, but unfortunately, the disciples that night fell asleep. The Roman soldiers came. Peter was under pressure and he denied Jesus three times. Peter did not pray. As a result, he fell into temptation. But you know what? What is true of Peter is also true of us today. If we fail in prayer, we will fail in times of trial. I say it again. If you fail in prayer, you will fail in times of trial. But you know what? Jesus was not so. That night, though the disciples were sleeping, but that same night, Jesus was praying. Look at verse 41, Luke 22. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Can you see, church, when you can go on your knees and learn to pray, heaven open, there'll be supernatural strength that comes from heaven coming to strengthen you. Because our lives are empowered through prayer. Not only that, but our lips are empowered through prayer. Look at Paul's plea. See, Apostle Paul must be one of the greatest communicator, preacher of all time. 
I mean, more than half of the New Testament is written by Apostle Paul. But yet, look at Paul's plea for prayer when it comes to his speech to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, look at this, verse 18. He said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. What is he doing? He's saying, Ephesians church, he said, guys, say, church, please pray for me. How? How long? Always, with all supplication, pray for me. Why? For what? Read on. He said, pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Church, if you want to preach the gospel, boldly witness for Jesus with effect and power, we must pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. How about our service? Our services, our ministry, our serving are empowered through prayer. See, look at Paul's plea now to the church in Rome for prayer. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 30. He said this, I beg you. What was he begging for? For money? No. He said, I beg you. He, was, he said, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers. Everybody shout prayers. Impressed to God for me that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe that my service, my ministry, my serving for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. You know what City Harvest? Paul himself did not take for granted that his ministry would be successful. He prayed. Because your service, your ministry, your doing, your workings, all your deeds are empowered only through prayer. Your prayer makes a difference. Won't you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, your prayer makes a difference. Now, why does our prayer make a difference? Because God still answers prayer, City Harvest. God still answers prayer. See, recently, I read uh, a diary of George Muller. Now, George Muller was a Christian evangelist, and he was best known for his famous orphanage in Bristol, England. Now, however, Muller wrote that though he had great compassion to help the orphans, his primary reason for establishing the orphan house was not because to help the orphans. Now, in his memoir, he wrote this. He said this, God might be magnified. He said, the reason I, I established the orphan house is so that God might be, might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all their need only by prayer and faith, without anyone being asked by me or my fellow laborers, so that it may be seen that God is faithful still and God hears prayer still. I mean, this guy started an orphanage to prove that God is still hearing prayers. Now, why would Muller wanted to do that? Now, because he was troubled with the conditions of the Christians, of the believers during his time. In his memoir, he said this. Firstly, he saw those who were older in age, the retirees. He, re he saw that they were unable to work any longer and very often they were fearful of lack and poverty because they, they cannot earn money for themselves anymore and they start panicking in fear. Muller wanted to set an example to let them know that our Heavenly Father would never forsake us. He is still Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Secondly, Muller saw 
that among the business people, turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I think he's talking about you now. <laughs> he saw among the business people, because of competition in trade and bad times, economy downturn, unemployment, and etc. The business people were constantly worrying and even sometimes betrayed their morals for dishonest gain. Muller was really troubled by these conditions. So he wanted to show the believers by proofs that God is alive and God still hears prayer today. That those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So in his memoir, let me read to you. Interesting. Muller wrote, Muller wrote this. He said, Now, if I, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained without asking any individual the means of establishing and carrying on an orphan house, there will be something which with the Lord's blessing might be instrumental in the strengthening the faith of the children of God and being a testimony of the reality of the things of God. He said, then I establish this often, if God can provide this poor man only by prayer and faith, then God can supply all our needs according to His riches in glory and He is alive. So, let me read a portion of his diary. Very interesting. Now, this, he, he wrote this in, 18, in, the, in 1836, I believe. So, he, he wrote his, a part of his portion of his diary. On December the 5th, 18, 1835, I was reading Psalms 81, verse 10. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. It struck me, Muller said, that I had never asked the Lord for anything concerning the orphan house. I then fell on my knees and opened my mouth wide, asking Him for much. So he went on to list out what he prayed for. He said, I prayed that He would give me a house, either as a loan, or that someone might be led to pay for the rent for the house, or that one might be given to me permanently for free. He asked, he asked God for suitable workers to take care of the children. I also asked him to put into the hearts of the people to send the furniture, semi-furniture for the house. That was on December the 5th, 1835. On December 10th, 1835, five days later, in his diary, he said, This morning, I received a letter in which a brother and sister wrote thus. We propose, the couple said, the, the, the brother and sister said, we propose ourselves for the service of the intended orphan house if you think that we are qualified. We want to do this without receiving any salary whatever, believing that if it be the will of the Lord to employ us, He will supply all our needs. We also want to give all our furniture for the orphan use. Five days ago, Muller was praying, God, please, me, please give me workers that will take care of the children. Five days later, someone wrote in, two person, brother and sister wrote in and said, you know what? If you think that we are qualified, please use us. And, and I tell you, we don't ask for salary. Nowadays, when you want to employ someone, the first thing you after interview, you, this, you ask them, how much do you want? And they, they, they say, this is my expected salary. Oh, but this two person came. He said, Muller, Mr. Muller, we offer our service. We'll serve you for free. You don't need to pay us anything because if this is God's will, God will supply all our needs according to His riches in glory. <laughs> and he said, we will give our furniture to you. Unbelievable. But then by December, this is December 10th, December 13, 1835, a brother was moved by the Lord to give a weekly donation to the orphan house as long as the Lord gives him the means. 
So now his rent taken care of because someone comes and says, you know what, Mr. Muller, I was praying and my heart was moved to give a weekly donation. As long as, as, long as the Lord supplied to me, I will supply your needs. Only by faith and prayer. So without begging anyone for food or money, only by faith and prayer in his lifetime. George Muller cared for more than 10,000 orphans and established 117 schools which offer Christian education to more than 120,000 children. Only by prayer. Why? Because he's trying to tell us Muller established an example to try to tell us, church, God is still alive and God still answers prayer and God is still faithful. Church, your prayer makes a difference. The Holy Spirit is power. He wants to live through us, speak through us, Serve together with us. But how does this inlet of power come? Well, friends, the answer is pray. Shall we say it one more time? Everybody say pray. pray. See, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Father wants to give the Holy Spirit, but there must be an asking. You see, the receiving of the gift and power of the Holy Spirit is dependent on two things over here. Number one, heavenly Father must give. He must give. If the Father doesn't want to give, nothing will happen. There will be no power. But then there is a number two. We must ask. Likewise, if we don't ask, nothing will happen. That's why James, the book of James says, you do not have because you do not ask. In Acts chapter 2, it recorded the day of Pentecost. You see, in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What were they doing? The disciples were praying and interceding. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house. Look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody said they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So look at the pattern. First, they were asking, they were praying, and as they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Power come. The inlet of power comes. Peter was transformed, started preaching and testifying about Jesus. That day, 3,000 people were added to the Lord. But then, by the time you come to Acts chapter 4, the disciples were persecuted again. Forbidden to preach the name of Jesus. But when that happened, look at what they did in verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you see again? They prayed, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice the pattern. First, you pray. First pray, and then you fill with the Holy Spirit. Then you come to Acts chapter 12. Again, the church was persecuted now by Herod the king. Now look at verse 1, Acts 12. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Verse 4. So when he had arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. So the church is now under tremendous pressure. It's almost like a plague, a curse has come upon them. Everywhere they turned, they were forbidden, persecuted, imprisoned, locked up. 
James, the brother of John, was being killed. What did the church do? Look at verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer. Everybody shout prayer. prayer. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when that happened, look at verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by Peter, a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Church, let me tell you, prison walls, steel chains, Roman soldiers, even King Herod himself, all had to bow to the powers of heaven. The church prayed and chains were broken. The pattern is like that first pray. And the inlet of power comes. Prayer empowers our life. Moses and Aaron prayed and the death plague stopped. Prayer makes a difference. In fact, prayer is the difference between life and death. Prayer is the difference standing between the dead and the living. Many people sometimes hear Christian, they ask me, say, Pastor, I've been praying. Does prayer really make a difference? Does prayer really change things? Friends, first of all, if the sovereign God commands us in His Holy Bible that we should pray, then first thing, we must pray. Prayer is not optional for Christians. It is required. You see, often when believers pray and when we don't see things happening, when we don't get our prayer answered, we gave up on praying. Or people adopt an indifferent attitude towards prayer. We were even told that prayer doesn't really change anything. What it does is that it brings peace into your heart. It is a So they are saying, oh, the reason why you pray is so that you can download, you can, you can unload the burdens of your heart. So that you are not so stressed by all the worries. Friends, yes, the peace of God will come and rule and reign in your heart, but the the question still comes back to, does prayer really change things? Yes, I understand. I understand that when I pray, my anxiety, can, I can cast all my cares on the Lord. But the question is, does God, does my prayer really change things? Is God the God who has eyes that can see, ears that can hear? Is my God alive? Is his hand too short that he cannot do anything? Does prayer change things? So the question, does prayer really change things? The answer is, no, it's not yes. The answer is yes, yes, yes. So City Harvest, one more time. Does prayer really change things? Amen. I like that. Yes, 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 yes. Why? Because City Harvest, let me tell you, let me declare to you today that our God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains faithful. He remains faithful. He's constant. He doesn't change. Recently, I was in Taipei form to visit some of our affiliate church. I was talking to Pastor, Pastor Garrick, one of our affiliate church in Taipei, and he shared with me an amazing story. Now, after he became a Christian, Garrick had been praying for his parents' salvation. His dad was a very staunch atheist, and mom was of another faith persuasion. Now, for many years, he prayed for, the, for them so that, that they may know Jesus, but nothing happened. Then in January 2004, 
that this is like 14 years ago. He was feeling very discouraged. And he cried out to the Lord. In fact, he was telling me he complained to the Lord. And he said, oh God, I've been praying for so long. Why is there no change in my parents? Now, at the moment, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And the Holy Spirit said, you did not tell me when you want to see your parents get saved. Huh? <laughs> Garrick was shocked. And he wondered, could I really make that kind of prayer? So, Garrick responded to God and told the Lord, I want to see my parents coming to Christ before 31st December 2004 this year. Now with that, Garrick continued to pray in faith and believe for his parents' salvation. But many months passed and still nothing happened. Now in December, now we have come, nine months has passed. In this, um, sorry, in September, nine months has passed. In September, one night, dad suddenly collapsed onto the floor after dinner. His whole body cramped up. He couldn't breathe. His lips was turning purple. They, he's having a major stroke and his heart is contracting, his lung is contracting, he cannot, he cannot breathe. Dad knew at the moment that he's going to die. So at that moment, he thought about his son, Garrick, always praying to Jesus. So with that last breath, he cried out in his heart, Jesus, if you are real, please save me. I'm not done with my life yet. When he finished his statement, suddenly, <gasps> his lung expanded. Air flooded his lung and he started breathing. <gasps> And his body relaxed, no longer cramped up. When the ambulance came, dad could walk himself onto the ambulance. <laughs> the doctors, so upon reaching the hospital, the doctors found a tumor in his brain and he needed an emergency operation. Now, usually such cases, such brain operation would leave the patient paralyzed. But miraculously, the operation went smoothly and he recovered 100% healthier than before. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, when he was discharged from hospital on the Saturday, dad told mom that Jesus has saved me. We need to go to church. But mom turned to dad full of doubts and, and say, it is just pure coincidence. She even asked dad, how do you know that it is Jesus who healed you, who saved you? Maybe it's my God because I was also praying for you that day. <laughs> so that was on the Saturday. So that night, they went to sleep. But while mom was sleeping, she had a dream. She saw Jesus coming into the bedroom, standing beside the bed, smiling at her and said, My child, I've been waiting for you to come home. The next morning, before dad walks up, mom got up and woke up there and said, He said, we got to go to church. Let's go. We need to go to church today. That Sunday morning, Garrick was in church like usual, leading his congregation in worship, praying. And as he was getting up on stage to preach, suddenly, you must understand, Garrick's church are all young people. When he came on stage to about to preach, suddenly, an old couple walks into the hall, his dad and his mom. He was shocked. He said, Dad, Mom, why are you here? And they related the story to Gary. He said, Jesus, save me. And that day, for the first time, they came to church. And that same day, they gave their lives to Jesus Christ.
that December, that December 2004, Garrick's parents were water baptized, and today both parents were on fire for Jesus, testifying the goodness of God everywhere they go. And this, 14 years later, they are still alive. Now, notice that, that wear a cap, because dad decided to shave his head, keep his head, shave his head, so that everywhere he go, he reveals his big scar on the head. And everywhere he go, he'll talk, he'll remove his head, and he tell people, do you see this? Do you see this? Jesus, save me, and he can save you too. City Harvest, your prayer makes a difference. And God still answers prayer because He is alive. He is not dead. This December, we are coming to the end of the year. This December, won't you pray? Won't you pray for the salvation of your family? Won't you pray for the salvation of your friends? Won't you, won't you stay faithful in prayer and don't give up? Yes, voices may have come. Lies may have come and say, you know what? It's all just putting a casting of cares and anxiety so you don't get anxious. Everything is going to be okay. But my question to you again is the same. Does our prayer really change things? See the others. Does our prayer change things? Yes. Yes. This coming December the 15th and 16th, we'll be having candlelight services on a Saturday night, 5 p.m., Sunday, 10 a.m. Both services are simultaneously interpreted into Mandarin. I'm telling you this because in a moment's time, we're going to pray. And I want you to see your parents, your dad, your mom, your sisters, your brothers, because your prayer can stop the plague. Your prayer can make things happen. I want you to believe. I want you to see them coming down. I want you to see them fill this arena. I want you to see them taking out the candle together with you. Lighting the candle in church. I want you to see them walking down the aisles to the altar call and give their lives to Jesus. Because God must do His work, but we, we must do our part. We must pray. Then on December 22nd, 23rd, we will be having our three Christmas services. Saturday, 2 p.m., 5 p.m., and Sunday, 10 a.m. All services will be simultaneously simultaneously translated into Mandarin. Now we are telling you this because we want you to believe that your elderly parents who, who, who don't understand English, this could be the day. This Christmas, let's believe that their lives will be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's believe that they will be saved. Because we pray. Let's have faith in God. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for Judge Mueller, what he did for Garrick, he can do it for us here in City Harvest Church. Amen? Shall we all stand to our feet this morning? Does our prayer really change things? Yes, yes, yes. Church, won't you raise your hand wherever you are? Don't be in a hurry to go. And why not I just crowd to the Lord, let our voices rise, our prayers rise, like incense before the Lord. This morning, let's ask for a fresh baptism of fire and power from heaven. As they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right, wherever you are, in the front, on the back, on the tears, raise your voice. Holy Spirit, we are waiting on you. 
Holy Spirit, we are calling on you. You are power. Come, Holy Spirit. Feel us. Feel us. Sikalaba Olobotebehila Kamasirio Palabati. That's right, church. Press in. Come up higher. Go a little deeper. How could I ever let you go? You hold my future in your hand. How could I? Without your presence in my life This hope I'm feeling inside Is coming alive It's coming alive There is a miracle When you believe, reach out your hand Touch His presence once again us here this morning, your family members are not, not saved yet, they have not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but this December, you want to believe God. Yes, it, it seems difficult, but it doesn't matter. My job is to pray, and prayer makes a difference. Prayer stops the plague. Prayer can change things. Maybe it's your mom, your dad sisters, your brothers. I'm mentioning them now because I want you to see them in your, in your mind right now. Because in a moment's time, we are all going to pray. And when you pray, I want you to bring your faces before the Lord like incense rising up before the throne room of God. I want you to believe God for their salvation. Salvation of the entire household. When one household member is saved, the entire household shall be saved. Shall be saved. I want you to believe God for miracles for their lives. Some of them, they are struggling with sickness. But this Christmas, this Christmas, may God answers our prayer. May miracles be released into their life. So get ready now. At the count of three, let's raise our voice and let's bring all our family members, our dad, our mom, our sisters, our brothers, before the Lord. Church, get ready now. One. Two, three, won't you raise your voice and pray? Won't you pray as if your, your salvation depends on your prayer this morning? Dad will be saved. Mom will be saved. Sisters will be saved, brothers will be saved. Our children will come back to the Lord. Yes, children will come back to the Lord. Oh God, oh God, rain down your salvation. Rain down your power, rain down your miracles. 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 Sikiri alaga. 
Shall we? You believe God hears your prayer. Would you give Him praise? Church, there's one more thing we want to do this morning. I want to believe God together with, with you for the healing of your body. Some of us here, you're sick in your body and you have been praying for a long time. Let's don't give up. Don't give up. By His stripes, we are healed. As believers, when we lay hands on the sick, the sick shall recover. Some of us, you're struggling in your business. Just like what George Mueller set an example for us. Business struggle, unemployment. And sometimes we, we, are, we are tempted to take the easy way, a dishonest way. But this morning, God is here. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still hears our prayer. Won't you pray? Let's ask God. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Let's believe that the debts will be cancelled. We'll be set free from the poverty. Some of us, you're struggling with bad habits in your life. And sometimes, the devil put lies in our mind and say that this is, this is who you are. You will never be free. But this morning, let's believe God that He, surely the Lord, shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler. Surely in Christ, all things are passed away. We are new creation in Christ. The bad habits will be broken. The old man will be crucified on the cross. We are new creation in Christ. Let's believe God for the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to touch your neighbor on the shoulders right now. Place of agreement is, is a place of power. And church, won't you just pray? Pray for your friends. Call out for your miracles. Call out for your breakthroughs. Cancer, be healed this morning. Heart disease, be healed this morning. Tumors in the body, go. Every skin problem kidney problem, liver problem, problem with the immune system, be healed. Be healed now. Every pain in the body, bone structure problem, be healed now. Be straightened in your back. Pain, go. Be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, we speak to every mountain of debt. I speak to that curse of poverty, curse of failure. Be broken. Go, go, go. Jehovah Jireh, we call on your name. The Lord, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We call on your name. Yes. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be healed, shall be delivered.
Standing between the living and the dead. Today is a defining day. Today is a differentiating line. Because we are here with our incense. Rising, our prayers coming before your throne. And you still answer prayer. Yes, you are the same. You are constant, you are faithful. So hear our prayer, hear our cry. So Lord, we commit our coming month into your hands. We are believing you for the miracles. May God be alive. May it be a testimony that God is alive in City Harvest Church. That God still hear prayers in City Harvest Church. May it be a testimony, example, a message to the world that you are alive. So Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God our Father, May the communion, the power of the Holy Spirit be with us all from this day and forevermore. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray and all God's people say, Amen. Oh, City Harvest, won't you clap your hands and give Him praise? Somebody give Jesus a great shout of victory. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg 